0: Am I on now? All right. So I'm not going to start over completely. You, can, you heard me, right? Um, <clears throat> so I was thinking about Valentine's Day. Um, there's, a, there's an interesting history behind Valentine's Day. Um, if you listen to Adventures in Odyssey, like my children do, to kind of give you the story, it's most of it's probably legend. Some of it's probably true. Um, they thought I should should just play the Adventures and Odyssey story for my sermon today, but my wife wouldn't let me, so we came up with something a little bit different, but it's an interesting story. So I'm not going to talk specifically about Valentine's Day today, but Valentine's Day is all about love, right? So we are going to talk about love um, today, but I'd like to um, maybe try to answer the question as to why do we love? Why do we love? Why do you love? Whether that's a romantic kind of love, whether that's a brother to brother kind of love, or whether it's a friend to friend kind of love, or a love that even transcends all of that. Think about how often we use the word love and how many different ways we use the word love. How many of you said something like, I love pizza? And you say, I love my spouse. You say, I love God. All of these different ways that we use this word. So I, I actually did a little bit of research online. And I came across a survey. They asked a bunch of about four to eight-year-olds to define what love is. Um, some of them are actually really good. Some of them are just plain funny. So I'm going to read a few of these for you, um, and, and then we'll move on. But just, this is, just shows the different ways that we talk about love. An eight-year-old girl said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over to paint her nose and toenails anymore, and so my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis, too. That's love. That's pretty cool. Here's a four-year-old boy. Says, "When says, so, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. A six-year-old girl said, Love is when you go out to eat and give give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. There's a true test of love, right? Love is what makes you smile when you're tired, said a four-year-old. Love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip of it before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. I wonder if she missed the true motive behind the, the sipping there before, but um, interesting. This, is, this one here is actually pretty profound when you think about it. This is from a six-year-old girl. It says, if you want to lo- learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Here's a funny one. When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down and little stars come out of you. That's from a seven-year-old girl, you can imagine. And this is probably my favorite one. Love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Robert Redford. Most of you probably don't know who Robert Redford is, but that was back before my day. I think he was a famous movie actor, but kind of dates that. But we talk about love in all these different ways, and Scripture even talks about love in a lot of different ways. And so as I I was studying or looking and reading about love and how Scripture talks about love, it was actually almost overwhelming because it's, it's so broad, it's so vast, it's everywhere, it's everywhere throughout Scripture. And in so many different ways that it, um, it talks about love. But I invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 4 this morning. We're going to look at um, <clears throat> 1 John 4, 7, verses 7 down through 21. And John here um, speaks about a love that's probably different, or different than all the other loves that we talk about um, in a general sense. It's love, you've probably all heard agape love, that's agape is the Greek word um, that's translated for love here, and you'll notice in this portion of Scripture, these, from verses 7 to 21 of 1 John chapter 4, he uses the word love 26 different times. Um, So, he talks about, he actually uses the word over 40 times in this short book of 1 John. By the time you get to chapter 4, he's already talked about it in chapter 2, he's talked about it in chapter 3, and he continues talking about love in chapter 4. Just another interesting note about John um, as he's writing this. John, at this point in his life, is an old man. He's an old man. He's very likely the last of the disciples who's still alive. All the other disciples have probably been martyred up to the, uh, by this point already. And John was the only one who was not uh, martyred for his faith. He died of, ended up dying of old age. But this is also before he was exiled. But you see, you kind of hear, when you read through 1 John, you kind of hear, I don't know, you hear a lot, maybe the heart of John. Um, it almost He almost writes this like in a grandfatherly kind of way. It's this grandfather sitting down with his grandchildren or, or his children, and he's telling them, this is what I want you to get. He, he uses the words like, my little children and beloved, over and over in, in the text here. But maybe it's partly his personality coming through, um, because he writes about love in his gospel as well. He's often considered the expert on love. So what does John tell us about love in 1 John chapter 4? I'm going to read, start reading in verse 7. This is from the ESV. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. In this is is the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us For he who does not love his brother whom he cannot see, I'm sorry, for he who loves, does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. So, what is love? I just have two main things that I want to. Pull out of this scripture, there, there's, there's so, many, so many ways we could go with this, but the, I just have two things that I want to point us back to, um, because I think it's foundational to what love is. John here summarizes, probably gives us the most complete, full picture of what true love or unconditional love actually looks like, where it comes from, and why we as his children God's children are then called to love. First of all, love is supernatural. Love is supernatural. We can produce love on our own, all right? Usually when it's our own human love, it's a response to being loved, or it's an effort to be loved in return. Now, either of those, neither of those are bad, neither of those are wrong. Let me let me let me read you tell you or read what Jesus said about only loving those who love us in return. Jesus said this in Luke six, says if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. So that's the kind of love that anyone can return. That's the kind of love that anyone can give. And so Jesus takes it a step further and he says, love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. It's love that is sacrificial and looks out for the best in others. So as you think about that, does that mean that a non-Christian cannot love sacrificially? I don't think so. I think a non-Christian can love sacrificially. How How many parents do you know who are not believers who would sacrifice tremendously and truly love their children with all their hearts? I think so. Think about first responders. I had to think of the pictures that you see when the uh, World Trade Center towers were hit. And he had all the people running out of the building and he had the firefighters going into it, putting their own lives at risk, at danger, for the sake of another So, I believe non believers are able to love sacrificially. But this love that John is talking about here, that is being perfected in us, it means it's being completed in us, is a love that not only loves someone for the present, but is a love that loves someone into all of eternity. It's a love that changes life for all eternity. I came across um, a powerful story that comes out of the Korean War. And I had to ask myself, "Can I? could I love like this? There was a young communist officer who was ordered to execute a Christian civilian. When he learned that his prisoner was in charge of an orphanage and was doing much good in caring for small children, he decided to spare his life. So that's a good thing. And instead, he decided to take or kill this guy's son. And so this communist officer killed this civilian guy's 19-year-old son right before his very eyes. In a lot of ways, you think that's be worse if you're a parent than having your own life taken. But years later, when the tide of the events had changed, this same officer was captured, and he was captured, he was tried, and he was condemned to death for war crimes. But before that sentence could be carried out, this Christian father came and he pleaded for the life of the communist who had killed his son. He admitted that if justice were followed, this man should be executed. But he reasoned that this guy was probably young, blindly idealistic, or whatever, and that his actions were not right. But he asked the judge, he said this, give him to me, he said, and I will teach him about the Savior. And the judge actually granted that request, and this young man, this communist guy, went home with the, the father of the son he had murdered and was taken in as his own, and this guy eventually gave his life to Christ and became a pastor in a church and did tremendous things in advancing the kingdom. That is supernatural love. That is not a love that you and I can come up with on our own. There's got to be something in here that has changed, and that comes because love, as John says, is from God. God is the source of all love. But not only is He the source of love, John says twice, he says that God is love. I think it's important that we at least catch or talk about that a little bit because... Something that is the source of love, that's where love comes from, is one thing. But when you say that God is love, he says it in verse 8 and he repeats that phrase down in verse 16. It's something different. Vine's um, Bible Dictionary defines it this way. He He says, it is the essential nature of who God is. So something is essential. That means that without that, it wouldn't exist. Or just say it like this. So without God, that kind of love that that communist or that, that father showed to that communist officer doesn't exist. It's not. It just, it's just not in existence. It's the very it's the essential nature of who God is. So think about that a little bit. <clears throat> you look at your own children. You look at other people's children. How many times do you place someone's place a child you figure out who they are because they've taken on the nature of their parents how they look how they talk how they act i remember years ago um i was watching my my cousin preach a couple of times and i was like oh my goodness that's my grandpa all over he doesn't look anything like him but his mannerisms the way he talked the way he handled himself was totally like my grandpa your kids do the same the way they look, they take on your nature. How they look, how they walk, how they talk, how they behave, and on and on. As a child of God, then, that essential nature of who God is becomes a part of who you are. So that's why John says, if you do not love, then you don't know God. You cannot separate the two. He says, if you love God, he says, then you will love does that mean it's just automatic, and now boom, you just love everyone, or is it is it something more? He uses John uses two two different examples of that. Um, he says in in verse in verse seven, both in verse seven, he says that if you love, you have been born of God, referring back to our new new birth and that essential nature of who God is becomes a part of who you are, but then he also says, and he knows God, and the tense that's used there means that is an ongoing process, it's an ongoing relationship. So your love, as you grow in your relationship with your Heavenly Father, your love, your capacity to love, your capacity to receive love continues to grow. It's a lifetime of learning, Furthermore, if it would just be automatic, why would John command us in three different, three different times in these verses, he commands us to love one another. He says, you love one another over and over and over and over. But at the end of the day, because you and I are a child of God, people should say of us, when they look at us, when they observe our lives, they should say of us, I can see where he belongs, I can see where she belongs, because we've taken on the essential nature of who God is. That becomes a part of us because we are in God. So love is supernatural. It is not it is more than we can accomplish ourselves. The second thing um, that I see in this is God's love brings Belonging. We all long for that. We all long for a place to belong. We all long to be loved and to be, or to love and to be loved in return. We long for belonging. John uses the term one another, and that phrase you'll see in all of John's writings, but elsewhere in Scripture too. How we are to one another, each other, um, speaking to us as a body of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ. One anothering means we receive love, but we also give love. Sometimes it's easier for us when we bring it down to even us as a church. It's easy for us maybe to give love, but sometimes it's hard to receive love. Can you let yourself or let other people truly love you? It means we need to be open and vulnerable and allow each other to love us and to love each other in return. A child is loved in a family because he belongs. Belonging is being loved. <clears throat> and because we have been adopted into the same family, we've all been adopted and they've taken on that essential nature of who God is in our lives. That means we love each other. We are brothers and sisters. Think about how Jesus responded when, he, when they asked him about his family his mother and his brothers, and he looked out at the people and he said, these, right here, these are my brothers, my sisters, my mother and my father. That is who we are. Church is meant to be much more than a bunch of individuals getting together. Church is meant to function as a family does. Pete Scazzaro says this about living in community. He says, it's impossible to live... The spiritual life apart from living in a loving community with others. We're family. A church is to be a place where we belong and we treat each other like family. Have you ever heard, I've heard this, and I'm sure you have too, people who say they love Jesus, but they can't stand his people. You stop and you think about what that's saying. That's heartbreaking. I understand that obviously there's been a lot of pain that's been caused. But when you live in community with people, there will be pain involved. Um, sad, sad, but true. You probably will experience hurt, but you can also experience love and acceptance and belonging like you can nowhere else, nowhere else in your life. So I was thinking about. Us as a church, how do we as a body, because we have been called together by God, we bear the image of God in our lives, we've taken on the essential nature of God, how do we practically live that out? Just getting super practical with what that can look like in your life and in my life. And if you've had this experience, if this has been given to you, you'll know know what I'm talking about. So how do we one another each other here at Providence? I have six ways listed here, or five, five ways, and you can give a whole lot more. We encourage each other. What does it mean when you just send a simple phone call or text? Sometimes you get a prompting to stop and to, or someone pops into your mind. Don't ignore that. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you to reach out to that person. Don't ignore those promptings. And this is probably the easiest one um, maybe to overlook, but pray. When you take the time to pray for someone, it's incredible what that does visibly but invisibly, the binding or the, the connecting that it does. Not only when someone shares a request, tell them, hey, I'll, be, I'll pray for you. This is something that I've actually I've learned from Marcus when you, when you express something that you need or something you're struggling with or wrestling with, He doesn't just tell you, I'll pray for you. He just stops and He prays for you right there. It's powerful when we do that for each other in our lives. We gather together. Obviously, that's been a challenge in this last year, but there's something that happens when we gather together and we worship together. We serve together. We find ways that we can serve. And so many of you, are doing that now. It's incredible what that does in building connection and building community. And we honor each other. We're all different. We all come with different ideas, different perspectives, different life experiences. And we honor that in each other. Those are some powerful ways that the nature of God can flow through us to each other. And so in conclusion, what happens when we do that? As we build community, but I think we also make an invisible God visible to a world who's watching. Verse 12 talks about the invisible God, but we all ought also to love one another. And I think that's there because when we love each other, it's a visible, visible, a visible display of the nature of who God is. There's probably no more powerful impact in the world than love. <clears throat> Did some, some research here, um, just in closing. Let me, let me read some of this. This is research from historians all across the world that would say that the rise of Christianity was the simple fact that Christians generously loved each other and their neighbors. Christian communities became places where people tended to live longer and healthier lives. For when they suffered sickness, poverty, or mishap, they had brothers and sisters in Christ who provided for their need. And as Christians, extended love way beyond the boundaries of family and congregation to their pagan neighbors. And it gives numerous examples of um, and, and stories. There are so many stories about how that actually happened, how that was displayed, and how it made a tremendous difference in the world, the way that Christians, the early Christians, responded um, when there were plagues, um, the the bubonic plague, uh, early on, how the Christians responded to that, and the way that spoke to the world. Henry Chadwick says this: the practical application of love was probably the most potent single cause of Christian success. The pagan a pagan commented this and said this as reported by tertullian he said see how these christians love one another christian love expressed itself in the care for the poor for the widows and orphans and visits to brethren in prison and condemned to the living or condemned to the living death or of labor in the mines and social action in time of calamity like famine, earthquake, pestilence, and war. Our love for each other, our love for our neighbor, makes the invisible God visible. And so my prayer for us, as we take on, as the essential nature of who God is, is put on display in our lives, that the world looking on would see and would be changed. I invite you to stand, have a word of prayer, and the worship team will make their way forward. God, as we think about Valentine's Day, as we think about love, and we think about all that you have done for us as we look at all the ways that you have impacted our lives, the way that you have first showed us love, God, I pray that as, as, we, as we relate to each other as a church, as a church family, God, that that love would be evident right here in our midst to each other, but also to a world that's watching, God, that that your love, our love for each other, would make you visible to a watching world. In Jesus' name, amen.